Well, greetings, friends. It's good to be with you once again on the internet connection. And uh, for these Wednesday classes and sessions, let me just get into this. What we've been dealing with for some time is the reality of our being in Christ. And uh, not just the reality that we are in Christ, but the reality that comes with our being in Christ. Um, and I'm, we're just going to look at some verses now so we can kind of bring some of this into a perspective. But what, what we've actually been talking about is that our union with Christ is not for those who are born from above, for those, you know, in whom Christ dwells. For his body. Uh, Our union with Christ is not about something that will come into being one day in the future, uh, in some future dispensation. Uh, It is about the reality of that union being our salvation now. We've been talking about, I have been a a good while on monthly CDs and whatnot. Uh, We've been talking about the reality of of life that, that basically and ultimately Our salvation is a matter of life. We've been using John 5 and and other, and and we'll continue to do that in in other sessions as we go along because it's an ongoing understanding that the Lord is certainly working in my heart and and I know in the heart of many others as well. See, hon, we seem to think in Christianity and teach in Christianity that the life that we have with Christ, the life that we have of Christ, um, is, is a better soul life, a better soul life. Uh, just our soul, you know, forgiven and cleaned up and given a second chance or, uh, and that one day in the future, one day, we will actually have eternal life and we will live with the Lord Jesus forever. Now, there's a lot of different names for that, but basically it all points to the future not, not to a reality that is now. 
So our salvation, and it's easy to say our salvation is a now salvation, but then what? But then how are you defining salvation? Our salvation is a now salvation. Now all of our sins are forgiven. All right, fine. But what about life? Well, life comes later. We'll have eternal life whenever we die, or we'll have eternal life by some other future work of the Spirit. And, uh, you know, and we'll all walk the streets of glory with Jesus. And, but, sweetheart, the reality is that we have all of that. I mean, all that we say that stands for. All that we say that stands for. All that we say heaven stands for. We have that now in Christ Jesus. So we've been talking about the reality of being in Christ, and, and one of those realities is that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And let's, let's look at that. Let's look at that in, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5. And let's, we're going to come back to verse 1 in a minute, but let's just go down to verse 17 there in 2 Corinthians 5 and uh, read it now. Therefore, if any man, and that translates to the term whosoever, it also means any who is. So it involves all who have come to the Lord. If you've come to the Lord, here's where you have come. You have come to this reality. It is not written here, taught here as a future event. Not at all. Look, look at verse 14. And then I want us to look at John 14, and then I want us to look at Ephesians 2, and then maybe on some of these sessions we'll end up in Hebrews. But the point that I want to make again and again and again, hon, is that we have everything in Christ now that God has to give. He has summed it all up. He has brought it all to pass. And He has given it in the person of His Son. Christ Himself is the gift of God. Okay, do you want to say that uh, 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 living in heaven is the gift of God? Well, all right. But the gift of God is Christ, and living in Christ is the true biblical definition of living in heaven. Now, we can look at that again, and we'll, we'll, we'll go to that in a moment. It's not something that is going to take place one day. Now, there is something that takes place every day, in my heart and soul, and in the heart and soul of all who have their gaze 
fixed upon Christ. And what takes place is every day I see the absolute newness and the ongoing allness of who He is. And the reality of that is that who He is, He is in me and in you right now. Salvation has come to us now. Now, now I read, read verse 17, all right? I read verse 17. Let me read it again because I want you may not have your Bible laid out in your lap. Therefore, if any man... Now, this therefore sums up everything that I'm going to, that we're going to look at in just a moment as we go back up into this chapter just a little ways. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, over 230 times, I believe it is, Paul tells us throughout the whole, well, it's said, and most of the time it is Paul speaking, throughout the whole of the New Testament, that we are in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. It is, it is a true condition of our soul. The word in means that we have entered into a relationship in time, and that time is eternity, in time and in place, now, this is right out of the Vines Dictionary. In time, a relationship in time, a relationship in place. The place that is prepared for us is Christ Himself. We'll look at that in John 14 in just a moment, maybe. But it's Christ Himself. That's the place. That's the place that was promised of God, promised and prophesied of God through Moses, recorded in Exodus 15, chapter 15, verse 17. It was after they had come out of Egypt, just across the Red Sea, and the whole thing now was brought into a divine, a divine purpose, and an absolute uh, ultimate-ness. Here's, he shows them the end of the journey, as it were, from the beginning. Because the beginning and the end are the same. It's Christ. But right there he says, And thou shalt bring them in. Well, they just got out. But you see, that, that, that wasn't in the mind of God. It was not in the mind of God to bring them out of Egypt and then just turn them loose and say, now stay out and go find you a place to live. That wasn't in the mind of God. The door that they by which they came out in the mind of God was actually the door by which they entered in. This is the door Jesus says that He is. It's the door with the blood of the Lamb upon it. Jesus is that same door. But when Jesus says, I am the door, listen to what He says then. It's, it's in this content. I mean, it's... Uh, 
Here's what he actually says. I am the door. If any man by me enter in. And then he goes on with the results of being in Christ. And all of that is set forth in Israel in type and shadow. The result of them being, going through the door, the result, final result, ultimate end was not being out of Egypt, but it's there in that verse, thou shalt bring them in and place them, set them in the mountain of thine inheritance, in the place, O Lord, that thou hast prepared for thyself to dwell in. You need to read that verse, hon. It is describing the reality of our being in Christ. It's describing the reality of what Jesus says that salvation is in John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, but particularly and very clearly in John 14. And again in John 14, we're going to read the reality of our being in Christ. Now at the time this was first prophesied, at the time Moses said this, as it is recorded in Exodus, it was a future event. But sweetheart, the one that was spoken of there, the salvation that was spoken of there, the holy mountain that was spoken of there, the mountain of his inheritance, is now come, and if any man be in Christ, see, we've now come to be in our union with him, because in Christ, I'm saying again, speaks of this union. It is a very present, it is a union in, in time. Jesus is the fullness of that time. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son. It's the time that Exodus is speaking of. It's the time that the whole of the Old Covenant is speaking of. It's the time most certainly that Daniel is speaking of. It's the time that uh, Ezekiel is speaking of. Isaiah is speaking of again and again and again. It's fulfilled in Christ. And Hebrews is full of that, some of which we will eventually get to as part of the reality of our being in Christ. Part of that reality is the fullness of time is come. There's nothing left for God to do. There's not a promise left for Him to keep. There's not a prophecy left for Him to fulfill. It's already done in Christ. First thing the Hebrew writer says in chapter 1, the very first thing he says with regard to everything that he's going to put into that letter to the Hebrews, with regard to all of it, and with regard to all that God has ever promised, 
What does he say? In Hebrews 1 and 1. For God, who in sundry times and in many, many different manners spoke to the fathers by the prophets. I just read you one of the prophets. That's Moses. I just quoted some of them. That's Ezekiel. That's Jeremiah. That's Isaiah. On and on and on. Hath at the end of those days, because he did that, he, he goes on to say in verse 1, in time past, time past, not time future, time past. Christ came as the fullness of that of that which was past and of that which was future. <laughs> He's the fullness and the full measure of time. Because in Him, hon, well, time is eternity. I am Alpha and Omega. He is that with regard to time. He's that with regard to everything. It's Him. We have come to Him. And if we don't see this, hon, then what good is the Old Covenant? What good is the Old Testament, brother? What, what good are all those promises if we don't see by the reality of the Spirit that these things are finished, completed, and made perfect in Christ Himself? Then why should we be in Christ if that is not true? Why should we be told that in the Scripture well over 200 different times that our union is in Christ? We have entered into rest. That's what, that's what vines, even the dictionary says. It's, that's what that is referring to, this word in, when, when coupled with Christ. In Christ means we have entered into rest. We have entered into a relationship of rest. That's almost exactly the way Vine says it. Into a relationship of rest. Having to do with time and place. See, we're not going to another place. We're in the eternal place now. In Christ Jesus. And state of being. State of being. On our state of being is if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things, that which is past, that which is past, the whole economy of the old covenant, the whole, the whole dispensation of the Old Testament, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now you should know, and, and, and in any other than King James, the better translation here is behold. 
And I don't know, there's probably not very many times, there may not be any time that that word is used that it is not in some way, either by type or shadow, maybe in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, it speaks of Christ. Behold. Jesus says that in a place. Behold. It's in Revelation. Behold. I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and, and of hell. Behold. It, it means look at me. Consider me. Behold. All things are passed away. Behold. The new is come. The new is come. And the scriptures there in, in using any man, therefore if any man, therefore whosoever is in Christ, therefore any who are in Christ, he is a new creation. Not going to be, is a new creation. Now, to just the word therefore, the word therefore, let's just go back to that word therefore. And it's in chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, look at verse 1. Because this is where I want to stay with us for a while. I'm going to read verse 14 also, but let's look at verse 1. For we know, now this is Paul speaking, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, now whether you want to say that he is speaking there of the natural human body, the flesh body that you can see here that I, you know, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. If he is talking here about the earthen vessel or if he is talking here about the earthly house of this tabernacle, if he's talking about the temple of Israel and what is being called the house of God and all of that, was in the Old Testament a type and shadow of that, but the Jews have held on to it even though Christ is come and Christ himself has told them, destroy this temple, in three days I will raise it. And thus spake he concerning the temple of his body. And it's pointing to that body that we are, hon, and over and over again, time and time again, we find that out. So whether it's, whether it's the natural body of, of, of flesh or whether it is that house that is made by hands, built by men, that Hebrews talks about, that it was a type and a shadow and a figure of things to come, not the actual things themselves, but Jesus is come, and he does not come and dwell in that which is made by hands. He has entered in, he has entered in rather to heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Well, see, that's really where I wanted to go with this whole session and we may not get there, but my point is, 
whether it is whether it is speaking of the earthly body or whether it is speaking of the earthly body, so to speak, of Israel, the house of Israel, the temple of Israel that is there uh, that was demolished in 70 A.D. Or whether, whatever it is, these things are temporal. And Paul is speaking here of that which is eternal, that which is eternal. And uh, for instance, for instance, in chapter 4, in chapter 4, same Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just before, just before we read 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. I mean, it's just right there. It's, it's, it's not divided in chapters uh, when Paul wrote about it. It's a letter. It's a letter. And look what he says in verse 18, how he ends. This is how he ends chapter 4, what we call chapter 4. This is how he ends it. While we look not at the things which are seen. Now, honey, in doing that, he's always talking about earthly things in which people try to find heavenly things or heavenly realities. Things that are seen. Things that are seen. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. And it doesn't make any difference how good they look or bad they look or any way they look. They're temporal. They're not eternal. May be well-built things, may be well, you know, performed things, whatever. I personally believe that it's the same thing that Paul is talking about in Colossians, the third chapter, where he says, Since then ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, not on the things on the earth. And I, and I, I don't think that that's, you know... I don't know, bad things and, and all of that. I think, it's, I think it's trying to find something spiritual in things on earth. Trying to find our salvation in things on earth. Things on earth. Things that can be seen. Exhibitions that can be seen. I don't know. I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time with it. But I really believe it's talking about the same thing right here. It's not just, you know, a lot of times we say uh, things on earth uh, and, and uh, we, we, we think he's talking about a house or a car or this or that. Well, those are all there. But he's talking about quit trying to find your life, your spiritual life, your salvation in things on earth. They're not there. For you are dead. As to that whole realm, you're dead. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. You are dead. Your life, well, your life is hid with Christ in God. And when he who is our life shall be revealed, shall appear. The word there is actually a Greek word, revealed, shall be revealed, manifestly revealed in you. We're looking for all other something, you know, we're always looking 
at things on earth or in the earth. Or we're always looking for a manifestation that can be seen with our natural eyes. You would be surprised how many precious brothers and sisters, but how many precious teachers and preachers who talk about a manifestation of Christ or a manifestation of sonship always are looking for something that eyes can see. Always are. True manifestation of Christ, honey, is not something that eyes can see except the eyes of your understanding. For God has shined in our in, in, in our heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that is not seen with natural eyes. That's the reason Paul in all of his epistles talks about a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him and the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. And Oh, darling. Well, we look not at the thing seen. I don't know how much clearer that can be even in the King James vernacular. But the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, the things which are not seen are eternal. And the next word he writes, for we know. And how can you say that again? Well, you can say, therefore, because as I looked up each of those words, that's what it is meaning, that's what he is saying. That's what he is saying. Right after saying, we're not looking at things that, that can be seen. You need to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in the light of the last thing that he says. In our Bible, the way it's, you know, the way it's described here. You need to read verse 1 and on down through it in the light of what he says here in verse 18 and just... Take verse 18 as a summing up. While, while, that's not a glance, that's how Paul lived. That's how, that's how he presented his body, which was beaten and jailed and all of that. The whole thing was not about him. It's not about really what happened to him or those that were with him. Their whole life was about the one in whom they lived. They, they weren't doing all of that and teaching all of that in the light of something that hadn't yet come. And, 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 and in many Christian, seem like religious doctrines hadn't come yet. But it... It was so then. The man understood that he lived in Christ then. He understood the reality of being in Christ was summed up in what he said in places like Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Darling, you either are or you're not. 
You either are or you're not. You've either come to Christ by way of the door with the blood upon it, the end of which, the goal of which that door represents is the reality of our dwelling in Christ. Not just the reality of us being out of sin. That, 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 see, Israel was out of Egypt. But they wouldn't go into the promise that God had set before them. So they wandered around and all died in the wilderness for 40 years. And they, everyone died that had refused to enter in. Because the story of their salvation, the reality of their salvation had not yet been set before them. A deliverance part had, but the rest and the entering in and that which David and then Solomon represented and were a testimony of, a salvation that Christ fulfilled from the first feast given of God, the Passover, the Lamb, the blood, the door, all the way through the last feast given of God, the feast that was celebrated by Solomon, when he had finished the temple and when he dedicated the temple and the glory filled that temple. All of that is summed up and made perfect in Christ Jesus. All of that is summed up in one Old Testament word which is Z-I-O-N Zion. Zion. And in some of these sessions, and I'm looking at the next CD session, monthly session, we're going to talk about Zion. Why? Because the reality of our being in Christ is stated there as ye are come to Mount Zion. Old things that are passed away, I'm talking about Hebrews 12. Read verse 18, just write it down somewhere. Hebrews 12, verse 18. You know what that stands for? What that stands for? What I just read to you a while ago. Chapter 5, verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Old things are passed away. Verse 18 of Hebrews 12 points right to that because what is that? It's about Mount Sinai. You are not come to the mount. And it's Sinai. You're not come to the mount that stands for the old covenant, that stands for the law, that stands for Moses, that stands for, that stands for all that God gave on Mount Zion, that stands for the tabernacle of Moses, that stands for the priesthood, for the offerings and sacrifices and burnt offerings and on and on and on again. That whole economy, that whole, what was it? It was a type of salvation, not salvation itself, but a testimony of something that was to come. 
Well, the writer in Hebrews is saying, you're not come to something that is yet to come. You're not come to something that was a testimony and has never been fulfilled. You are not come to Mount Sinai. You're not come to that mountain. And then right there in verse 21 and 22, right on down the line, but ye are come to Mount Zion, which means very little to most people. Even most, I've found, if not most, many Bible teachers. But if you'll just see what Zion, the purpose of Zion, where do we find Zion first dealt with? Where? Not in word, not in word, but in reality, in reality, with Abraham and Isaac. That's where Abraham took Isaac. That's where Abraham built what I often call his first altar, though it may well have been his last altar. And I'm not trying to be cute or funny or anything, but you see, I don't care how many altars Abraham built, they were Alpha and Omega in their existence. They were Christ. They were Christ. The first one was where God appeared and said, lift up now your eyes. The last one was where God appears and says, now lift up your eyes. My word. The last one is the one Jesus talked about when he said, Abraham saw my day. He rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. And that's what he saw. The Hebrew writer, chapter 11, says the same thing. Abraham received Isaac to himself as a figure of the resurrection. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Zion embodies the truth, the reality, and the actuality of the resurrection. Zion embodies the King and the throne of the King. Zion embodies the Son of God who is eternal eternal as to his priesthood, eternal as to his kingship. In fact, eternally the priest king, Zion, throughout the scripture, Zion embodies all of that. It embodies Christ in his fullness. Now, darling, when Paul said you are come to Mount Zion, he knew what he was talking about. You are coming to that of which Christ is the embodiment and the fullness and the perfection of. Well, see, I didn't get too far in these verses, but to me, all these, that's what these verses are saying. 
That's what they're saying here. While we look not, things seen, try to find our salvation in things seen, even the things that were at one time seen did not embody our salvation, testified of it. We've come to the embodiment of it. The one in whom dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily, he is the embodiment of everything that we're going to be dealing with and have dealt with and probably will continue to deal with as part of the reality that we find in Christ and our being in Christ. We find in Christ the person. When I say embodiment, I'm talking about the person. We find one of the part of that reality of our being in Christ is that reality that our salvation is a person. That our life, not soul life, but eternal life given to my soul, your soul, our soul. Hallelujah. No wonder Paul then said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Not soul life, not self life. No, no, none of that. That went to the cross. I am crucified with Christ. That's the soul life he's talking about. That's the self life he's talking about. That's what Jesus took to the cross and took it into his death. And Paul realizes that. I live. Nevertheless, I live. Yes, but not I. Christ liveth in me. Well, hon, that's the very thing that we are reading here that we started with right here therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creation not a made over Adam not a better Adamic life we're not there so we can add something to the one who is the fullness of the place there's nothing to add to it there's nothing to add to being in Christ old things gone passed away fulfilled brought to their end behold the new is come and verse 18, and all things are of God. Oh, sweetheart, to my great chagrin, to my great sadness, that's true. I have heard many brethren in certain spirit-filled or spiritual or whatever movements. And they're using that all things are of God 
for the things that they can see, the things that can be seen out here. Oh, brother, all things are of God. Well, hon, all things are of God in Christ. I know God created all things, but there's a difference in all things are of God and God creating all things. God creating the dirt, God creating the stars, God creating man. And yet God is not found in any of those things. You can't find him in a tree. You don't find him in a rock. And yet a tree and a rock and a river were all used as types of what can truly be found in him, that which is eternal, eternal life, the eternal river of life. Oh my, the eternal river of life. Jesus speaking that on the, on the night or the day, that great day, that last Sabbath, Sabbath day, Jesus saying, come unto him all ye that thirst, and I will give you, I will give you drink, I will give you. You drink this, you'll never thirst again. And out of your most inward being shall flow. Some take that as rivers of living water, some streams of living water, but it's the living water flowing. You know where that flows from? The book of Revelation tells us what it flows from. Do you know what that is? It's life flowing out in you, flowing out the most inward being, flowing out from the throne of God. The very life that Paul preached to the nations and that we're to preach to the nations. But it's not a river that you can see. It's not a tree you can see. If you can see it, God's not in it. He may have built it. He may have created it. He may have, have caused it to flourish. And I see trees right out the window here. But he's not in any of them. The tree of life as it is used in the scriptures is Christ himself, hon. The river of life is Christ himself, darling. The street of the city is Christ himself, hon, being the way, the truth, the life, gathering it all up into himself. If we could ever come to see that. Let me close with this, and then we'll come back to it. I don't know how many times I've closed here and said, well, then we'll come back to it. And... We do come back to it. We just, we, just, we just gather a lot into it. But what we're gathering into it is right there in the Scripture. Well, what verse is that, brother? It's the verse right after verse 18. We look not at things that are seen, they're temple, but at things that are not seen, they are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, that's temporal, 
regardless of how you look at that, it's temporal. Whether it's a collective house or whether it's individual body, it's still, it's, te it's temporal. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God not made with hands. Now, the next time I read that, I'm trusting the Lord. Next time I read that, I want to read what I've got written all over the page here. I want to go to Hebrews 8 and Hebrews 9, at least there, because there is the great contrast between, in those, a house made with hands, the house made with hands, and right there in Hebrews 9, we find that Christ is not entered into such a house, not entered into such a building. We know if it were dissolved, we have a building of God. Not one day we'll get, not one day we'll live in. No, we have. Not, not when our earthly house is done away. No. If the earthly house is done away. And it was done away, as it was speaking certainly of that Jewish temple and old Jerusalem and all of that. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Well, sweetheart, that's what we now have in Christ. And it is eternal in the heavens. And it is that reality, you see, but it's not some kind of a house that you can visualize because we're talking about being clothed upon. Being clothed upon. Being clothed upon. Let mortality be swallowed up in life. Well, who is that except Christ? He's the life. He is the life, hon. My goodness. If so that be enclosed, we shall not be found naked. You see, the body of Christ, unlike the body of Adam, is not found naked. It is found clothed upon with Christ. And you don't really have to go anywhere other if you, if you have a, an eye to see, an ear to hear, a heart to know, than the first chapter of the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. You see him standing in the midst and you see him clothed from top to bottom. You see there the head 
And you see there the body. You see there Christ and his body clothed upon with him. You see him. You see him. Your life, it's hidden in him. It's the only place God can look on you and I. In him. The glory of him is there. Clothed upon. It's a new creation, hon. It's not you and I running around in these dirt bodies claiming to be this and claiming to be that and claiming to be something else. If we're going to run around in these dirt bodies, that's all right. It's the bodies we have to run around in. We don't have any other bodies that, that we can drive an automobile down the road with. But if we're going to do that and we're going to live in these dirt bodies, then let's live there in the faith of the Son of God and let's declare the reality of a body that cannot be seen with the natural eye but is revealed, the reality of it, the union of it, revealed in the face of the head of that body, which is Christ. So we're talking about the reality of being in Christ. And I trust the Lord will open our eyes because, sweetie, it's the only reality that we're ever going to find. Purposed of God, planned of God, promoted of God, performed of God, finished of God, perfected of God in Christ Jesus. We have come to that in the Son. Lord bless. We'll stop here and continue uh, in our next sessions. Amen. Listen, we appreciate you being with us on the internet. Uh, we're having a little trouble with our live streaming right now, but we think that that may be short-lived, and we're looking into several ways that we can be back on live streaming, uh, and, and I'm confident that that, that that will take place. Uh, Rabin is working on it, uh, continually, uh, Brother Jim, uh, Collins uh, also. And uh, so we, we're looking forward to that. But we're still there with you. Uh, you're watching us right now. And uh, so we appreciate you who stand with us in your support, in your faithfulness, to the ministry of CMI at the Bible Research Center here. Because, hon, that ministry is just reaching out to you and reaching out beyond, reaching throughout the whole body of Jesus Christ and around the world with this gospel, the fullness of which, the light of which, the person of which is Christ himself. Thank you for being with us, and the Lord bless you. Amen.